our careers are like marriages. Routines can step in very easily and then somehow what was exciting is not exciting anymore because you've been doing it a thousand times. It's very important to make your relationship with your work exciting again. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you pursue more meaningful work. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more fulfilling work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work that matters to them. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take their own brave steps to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to discuss how he relaunched his career as a designer after moving from Barcelona to New York City. We'll discuss the importance of paying attention to your professional desires and how to rekindle your relationship with your own work. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'm going to explain what I do to keep my own work exciting and interesting. Hello from Birmingham in the UK. Today I'm here at the Birmingham Design Festival's Glug event focused on rebirth to give a talk on how to reinvent your career. And I'll be sharing the video of my talk in my newsletter once it's available. In other news, before we start today's conversation, I wanted to let you know that I'm going to be speaking about personal branding at the Marketing Academy Foundation's annual Leadership Live conference this Thursday, April 11th at the Facebook headquarters in London. The Marketing Academy Foundation enables young people from disadvantaged underrepresented backgrounds to start their careers in the marketing industry by funding apprenticeships at world-class organizations, and this conference is their flagship fundraising event. Leadership topics during the April 11th conference are going to include resilience, influence, vision, confidence, and of course, leadership lessons. And the personal branding panel I'll be serving on will be chaired by Kate Bassett, head of content at Management Today. And my fellow panelists will be Crystal Isinger, strategy and operations lead at Google, and Alice Terhar, Senior Manager of EU Marketing at Deliveroo. So if you're a brand or agency marketer in London interested in developing your own leadership skills, you can get tickets to the full-day event at careerrelaunch.net slash leadership19. Okay, on to our interview. Today, I'm speaking with Alex Trochute. After completing his design studies at Elisava Superior School of Design, Alex established his own design studio in Barcelona before relocating to New York City. Through his design, illustration, and typographic practice, he's developed an intuitive way of working that's resulted in his expressive visual style. He's partnered with some of the world's most iconic brands and artists, from Katy Perry to the Rolling Stones to bring their album artwork to life. He's also been nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Recording Packaging, recognized for his inventive lettering style by the Art Directors Club, and selected as one of the top five of the 20 most influential designers in the last 20 years by Computer. Computer Arts Magazine. Now, I know how hard it can be to relocate yourself to a new country having done it myself. So I hope you enjoy hearing about how Alex managed to pull it off during our conversation today. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 56. Alex spoke with me from New York City. Okay, Alex, good morning and welcome to Career Relaunch. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Joseph. Very happy to be here. All right. Well, we are going to talk through your geographical move to New York City, your life as a designer, and also some of the ups and downs of establishing yourself in a city like New York City. 
But I was wondering if you could start by first explaining exactly what you're focused on right now in your career and your life. Yeah, right now I'm I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in a shared space with six other freelancers in Greenpoint. And my life, it's very simple, you know, and I love it. I would love to keep it like this for as long as I can. I live not far away from here. Probably the challenges that I'm facing right now are like dealing with um, the world of commercial commissions and, and how to introduce or dive more into my personal work. Maybe the challenges in towards a 10-year plan would be like, will I be doing this in 10 years or will I step more into personal work and just go more for an, an artistic field or not? Like It's kind of like the big questions that sometimes I wonder, but it's, it's another step of changing careers that I'm not ready to to get a lot of like determination yet about what's the best strategy, to be honest. I've been working as a graphic designer, illustration, and uh, letterer for the last 12 years as a freelance. And before I was in Barcelona. And yeah, pretty much all, all my life has been surrounded by creating images that many times involve letters. So we're going to get into the details on all of this. And also would be very interested to hear about uh, some of your future plans, as I know that that's always something that people wrestle with is balancing the present and the future. I've worked with plenty of designers myself, Alex, both right now in my current business, but also when I used to work in brand management, and you're actually the first letterer I've come across where you focus on the actual lettering as a designer and artist. Could you just explain exactly what a lettering artist does? Letter design is a little bit like the non-verbal communication of design. It's really not what you say, it's like how you say it. And that happens through the visual side of letters. So you could say, for example, I love you, but you could write it in a letter that is very plain, or you could do something like extremely flourished and beautiful. And then the message kind of like comes across with way more intentional and uh, the style becomes a message itself. So that's a little bit what I play with, like trying to work with context that it's given by specific letters. It's not alphabets. It's kind of like uh, just working with, for example, a name, a headline, a logo. And those are the structures, the letter structures I need to play with in order to create a communication through those letters and, and, and embody a message that a client or a brand will need. I know one challenge, Alex, that freelancers and entrepreneurs can struggle with is what to focus on, which is definitely something I've always wrestled with myself. How did you decide to focus on this particular niche of design? In that sense, I, I believe a lot in just trusting your satisfaction or where uh, putting your professional compass where your fun is focused and just try to really answer your exciting needs because the key is like just converting any effort into a natural will. So for me, it's almost like a necessity of like, okay, I really want to do this. And um, if I'm doing something else, I'm thinking about these other things. So what I try to do is just like try to go where my heart was going. And then through that, I think uh, I started to develop more of a knowledge about how to do certain things, certain way. But it was really just like following a little bit your, your own needs more than anything else. 
Okay, well, let's go back in time a little bit here. You haven't always lived in New York City. You actually started your career, as you mentioned, as a designer in Barcelona. Could you tell me about what sort of work you were doing at that time? And then we can move forward from there. I started in, in Elizaba, and that was when I was uh, around like 20 years old. After that, I did my Erasmus. I went to Berlin for half a year and then came back and started to do some internships in, in this studio called Turmix, where I learned a lot about how to rationalize my ideas, try to not express yourself just for the sake of it. I remember when we were working at Turmix, like every project had to be discussed previously. We did these like meetings where we all hear a brief and we all have an opinion towards how to approach it. And the approach had to be discussed beforehand and kind of like agreed by all the team. And to me, that was crazy because it was very hard for me to rationalize things beforehand doing them. But they were great creatives for thinking and concepting. And after that, I went to another studio. The approach was quite different. I went to Vastava, where the approach is way more emotional. You sort of like come to, of course, there's a, an agreement towards what's the direction, but there's a lot of things that they allow every creative to drift with and um, allow everybody that was taking the project kind of like dive into their own process and let the process show you what's the best solution. So there was a point after spending two years over there where I decided it was time for me to manage my own time, basically, and just try to find my own clients. And, and I thought, let's go find my clients on the internet. It was the perfect moment in time where internet was really allowing for you to hunt clients outside of your city. And that was kind of like what happened. I, I made my website in, in English and little by little I was starting to get commissions from outside Spain, which allowed me to connect with a more narrow target of clients that maybe were looking forward to commission stuff that I like to do rather than me adapting to whatever clients I had in my local territory. I started to get some agents, reps that uh, helped me to grow in my career. After six years, I decided to move to New York because I needed a change. And I already had my agents over here in, in the US. So my landing in New York was already with a, a work stability, which it's very fortunate. And I'm very grateful about that. Now, before we get to when you actually did physically land in New York, this move from Barcelona to New York City actually seems like a pretty big move. How did you decide to leave Barcelona behind and move internationally to the United States? Well, it was kind of like a, a sweet moment. It was a moment of changes. It was a moment of like looking at my life through a different perspective. It was when I was 30. And so at this time, I like a pivotal moment where you're thinking, okay, is this where I settled in? Barcelona, is this the city or is there like a new chapter for me that maybe there's maybe a, a surprise for my life that I could try to discover? I was looking forward to establish myself in, in Barcelona after traveling for six months in, in around Asia. Then I went to New York and I just had like this moment of like, wow, I, I, I met people. My agents were like telling me, hey, if you want to move here, we can get you more work. 
it was kind of like, okay, this is a moment where I need to make this happen or not happen. I was telling myself, okay, allow yourself to fail, basically. If this is not going to work, it's fine. But allow yourself to fail this time. And if it doesn't work, just come back to Barcelona. But yeah, here I am. I was really excited about everything that it was such a bigger challenge in New York rather than Barcelona. Like, for example, getting your all the steps that you need to do, you know, like get your visa, get your social security, get your credit card, get your credit score, get your like all these little steps that it will mean nothing if I'm in, in Barcelona, but like there were like massive achievements in here in, in New York. So doing all this stuff, like it felt very rewarding, but definitely New York, it's a, it's a tough city, but also it grabs you from the beginning if you fall in love with it. And then things are starting to get better little by little. Yeah, my sister lived in New York City for many years, and I would go and visit her. And I know the city's really incredible. And at the same time, it can be very intimidating and overwhelming. And it's funny you mentioned that you made the decision to move at the age of 30, because I was just thinking about my own situation in the past. And I actually moved from San Francisco to London when I was 31. So right around the same time where you've got to make this decision about, are you in or are you out? I don't know about you, Alex, but I can still remember the very first week after I arrived in the UK. And I was wondering, can you take us back to the moment when you landed in New York City for the first time? What was that like for you? And what was running through your head as you exited the airport? Well, it's funny because it, there was not quite of like a, a moment where I was like, okay, I'm definitely 100% moved here. It was uh, navigating um, a personal relationship. I was in love at that time and I was just like taking it slow too. Like I was coming for three months and then going back to Barcelona and it was like a very slow transition. I didn't want to say no to every, anything. I didn't want to say no to Barcelona yet. just wanted to say yes to everything. And I had to decide at some point because my, my life was a little bit chaotic and it was a lot of back and forth. But New York was very welcoming in that sense. And I felt like everybody's an immigrant in this city and it felt always very recharging, the energy that you find from the people. Because like, you don't find like, maybe I, I don't know how it is in London, but in Europe in general, there's a lot of people that are born and raised in one place. So you feel a little bit detached from the culture. But like in, in New York, the culture is whoever arrives and sets up something new and like it's so hungry for new stuff happening. So in that sense, everybody has a, an opportunity and everybody needs to prove themselves that they are somehow part of this city. Now, I got to ask you about how you landed some of your projects, because especially for those people out there who might also be a solopreneur or a freelancer, or even someone just trying to gain some traction on one of their side projects, there's always this question about how you land your clients or your gigs. How did you end up creating the album covers for artists like Katy Perry and the Rolling Stones? Because that sounds like a pretty big deal. Yeah, it does. But at the same time, it, it didn't feel like that. It's so crazy sometimes, like how crazy things happen in the most lucky way. I feel like it's always a combination of hard work and uh, some talent and, and then luck. In the case of Rolling Stones, you know, every now and then you get like these projects that they're like, okay, we're, do you want to pitch for this project? It sounds great. And you're going to willing to 
put so many hours into do a presentation and and then they're going to present this to a big team above you that you have no communication with and they're going to put it in a focus group and of course it almost never happens <laughs> right and um and the one time that it happened was for Rolling Stones. And I was in shock. Like, I remember I accepted the project thinking, I don't know why am I doing this? Because it's probably not going to happen. But, you know, it's Rolling Stones. So I would always say like, look, I did a version for like whatever record is going to be released. And in a weird way, I think that's always the best way to approach a certain pitch for projects. The, the more confident you feel about the proposal, the less likely <laughs> is that it's going to happen <laughs> weirdly in my head. But yeah, my expectations were very low, but I did my best. And yeah, very surprisingly, like the focus group approved the, the proposal and, and it happened. And how did you get discovered to be one of the four people featured in that solo New York City short film, which is, which is actually how I first learned about you? Right, yeah, and that was uh, Daniel Suarez, who was um, a person that I didn't know at the time. And um, he's a guy from Portugal, very talented filmmaker and very good eye for cinematography. And And he just contacted me through Instagram. And then we met and he said, like, look, I, I have this project. I would like to do a little interview with you and do this small film about like different freelance in New York. And I was one of the people that he selected. And that's how it happened. And after that, Daniel came to the studio here in, in Greenpoint and he stayed with us for for a few few months, almost a year. He became a friend after that. All right. Well, the last thing I was hoping to cover before we wrap up with one of the projects I know that you're working on right now, Alex, is just some of the things that you've learned over the years of freelancing, then moving to New York City and also creating a name for yourself globally as a designer. And I'd like to start by talking through a couple of the things you mentioned in that short film we were just referencing. And one of the things I thought was really interesting that you said there in that film was beginnings are always rough. What is it about starting something new that you think makes it so difficult? When you start, like all you have is your will, your heart, your a little bit innocence. And I think that brings a lot of excitement. Knowledge is power, but the unknown is so big too. You don't want anybody to tell you how it is. You want to discover it by yourself. So, And there's going to be a lot of failure involved with that process. But at the same time, if it's the one thing you decided it was worth it to do, it's going to create so much drive towards your goal. Beginnings are rough for sure because uh, you haven't established anything yet and you are an unknown person that doesn't have any perception towards any of the people that you talk with. You need to prove yourself from every action and and you're gonna keep building towards something that will create a perception as a as an individual, as a brand, as a designer, as whatever you're willing to become. But it's the moment where you have that sort of opportunity to create a stamp on every experience, no, with everybody. And it's kind of like something that you just take very good care of. I'm going to sculpt this thing beautifully and I want this to be perfect and I'm not going to let anything go wrong. And it's very exciting. And so many times it's, of course, there's a lot of struggle towards the people you encounter, the people that are questioning you, the people that decided not to 
take you seriously because why should they? And how you need to navigate all that and prove that yourself and themselves that, yeah, you're worth it. It's all about having fun. If you're having fun with what you do, you just turn everything into natural will and not an effort. And that's so important because like everybody is born with a specific traits in their brain. Like there's certain things that, that they're not free will. We're just wired in a certain way to like certain things. And we need to listen to what we like a lot because that's what we were probably born to perform the best for. And those are the things that we cannot create. We're born with. So listening to those clues that desire creates for us, I think are very important because they're very, very unique. In the long run, you are going to be doing the best you were supposed to for who you are if you follow those things, I feel. It's probably a good reminder to everybody out there that uh, we all sometimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get things right. And as you said, perfect, especially when you're about to start off on something new. But it's a good reminder that I guess, A, you got to remember to have fun along the way and also B, to not second guess yourself too much and to listen to your intuition, which is not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I feel like intuition is, is, is so important. It's almost something that you don't, you don't think. You, you just feel like, okay, yeah, I guess I got to do this. And, and I, I'm not so much of a thinker. I'm just I'm more like a doer. I've been trying to work on that myself recently. I'm more of a thinker myself. And I've, I've been finding recently that sometimes my thinking overrides what I'm feeling and it ends up not being the right decision. So I'm trying to get better at listening to my own intuition. Another thing that you said in the video was that you need to create excitement again in your long-term relationship with yourself. What did you mean by that? I thought that was very interesting. Our careers are like marriages. We are attached to a way of doing and like routines can step in very easily. And then somehow what was exciting is not exciting anymore because you've been doing it a thousand times. It's very important to kill your darlings every now and then and try new things. Make your relationship with your work exciting again. It can come through circumstances that can push you. Like, for example, I was not looking forward to learn 3D at all in my career, but thank God also the circumstances push me towards that. Comfortable is easy, but at the end, it's boring. And you always need to create some pain to get some gain. It's like going to to do exercise. Like uh, at the beginning, it's, it's see, nobody wants to get up at 6 a.m. to go to the gym. But when you are in the shower after your workout, you are very happy about it. So it, it's always trying to find that effort that you put in it. And then it's going to be like very rewarding towards the end. I'd also be curious to hear what you've learned about yourself having reestablished yourself in a city like New York City that's full of opportunity and excitement, but is also quite ruthless and unforgiving at times. Is there anything that has been especially surprising that you've learned about yourself along the way? Looking back and, and how much of like my life, for example, when I was before 30, it was so much focus in work solely and like only about work that it was very unbalanced. It was kind of necessary to be where I am right now, I think if I took away a little bit all the focus that I had in those times, maybe I will, I will not be in New York. 
but at the same time, it was kind of like a, an unsustainable lifestyle. And um, I feel like my life is more balanced now and I'm able to to look at things with a more relaxed way, I hope, and, and learning about myself, about like the, the patterns that everybody steps into and and trying to balance your life as much as possible. And and in the end, you, you do produce better things when when you are less tense and less stressed and less focusing on things. You're like, you narrow your vision a lot. And like when you're more relaxed, you're like, your brain waves are like in another sort of like scope and it's it's more wide and, and you allow yourself to take longer paths and look around and see things that maybe others don't. So in a way, I think it's, it's better to be less obsessed. And maybe it's the one thing that I that I learned. But yeah, it's always changing. And so many times you don't control the things that happen to you in the professional world, especially when you work for others and clients. So you're not an artist that you just like do what you are pleasing every time. It's It's more about adapting to circumstances and sometimes the circumstances are like overwhelming. Um, but yeah, trying to remind myself not to stress too much and like take things a bit more easier with myself, I think. For anyone listening to this who's maybe been thinking about making a big move in their career, is there something you wished you had known that you now know about creating a change in your life after making your big international move? When I decided to start, I, I was very anxious to prove myself and others that I was able to do it. And that was necessary. I, I feel like that sort of like not being easy with myself, it was, it was important in order to accomplish it. But in the end, if you want something, it, it ends up happening. And everything is kind of like the decisions that you can take towards something are kind of reversible in a way. And like allow yourself to make a mistake. It's, it's good. And I feel like, yeah, Americans maybe are easier on that term because like everybody tries things and like they might fail and like, it's okay, you know, like it, and then you can just do something else and life is long. Like there's so many stages in it. And, and sometimes I, I feel like in Europe, like you feel a little bit judged if things don't, don't work out the way they're supposed to. And what is important is just to keep trying and, and, and enjoy the process. Because in the end, like it's right here. In the end, like certain things they will not repeat, and we just need to enjoy the process more than when you get to your goals. What happens? I always feel like, oh, I I, I did that. I, it was so important for me, and now I'm here, and then I need to start again. It's, it's another process. So like, it's better to enjoy the whatever path you you choose to do. Do something that you enjoy, because like you're always suffering, if not, and it's. It's important to just take it easy sometimes. Well, that's a great segue into one of the projects you were telling me about before we recorded this interview that I know you're enjoying. Can you tell me a little bit more about your current artistic collaboration focused on the word truth? We are working with a bunch of different artists for animations of a concept. And um, I'm working with David McLeod, Dale Guillem from from Divine, Javier Leon from Leon Studios, uh, Frank Guzon, and Jordi Pages, a bunch of like 3D artists that I really admire. And we are all doing like this collaboration that it's animating the word truth. And it's going to have like an online presence through a website that it's going to be 
also like a, a sound experience where every animation is a channel of um, big, big track that it can sound all at once. All the videos could be playing at once or only one. And somehow it's an artistic interpretation of what our current political, philosophical landscape looks like, where I feel like the certainty about facts and truth is so relative these days and and truth become this very the opposite of a solid uh, matter it's kind of like it could be smoky it could be liquid it could be uh, bending it could be divided it could be kind of like so many metaphors that visually drive you to to see the the word evolving into different things so that's what we're doing and it's a project that is going to be open to to many other people and and I'm hoping to get as many versions of truth as possible. Very cool. Well, if people want to learn more about you or your lettering art or this collaboration around the word truth, where can people go to find out more? I bought this uh, domain called truth.af and also on my Instagram or website, which is uh, trochut for Instagram and uh, alextrochut.com for my website. Okay. Well, we will include all of those links in the show notes. And just wanted to thank you so much, Alex, for telling us more about your life as a letterer, the things you've learned along the way, and the importance of enjoying the ride along the path of your career. So best of luck with your projects and all of your design work. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was uh, very nice talking to you, Joseph. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Alex's thoughts on starting a new life in a new city, nurturing your own relationship with your work, and doing work you actually enjoy. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to give a glimpse into some of the things I do to keep my own work exciting and interesting. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I'd like to thank Grammarly for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Built by linguists and language lovers, Grammarly's writing app finds and corrects hundreds of complex writing errors so you don't have to. And as a Career Relaunch listener, you can download Grammarly for free by going to getgrammarly.com relaunch. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. And for today's Mental Fuel, I'd like to pick up on one of the things Alex talked about, which is how we're sort of in this long-term relationship with our work kind of like a marriage. And he talked about how, like a marriage, things can become a bit too routine and no longer exciting, which in turn can have a negative impact on your work and satisfaction with your work. One way Alex injected some fresh excitement into his work was to move to a new country to take on exciting new projects and to learn some new skills. And that got me thinking about how important it is to keep your work exciting and interesting how boredom can really chip away at your productivity and engagement with your work. So I thought I'd just quickly share three ways I try to keep my own work exciting, especially when I feel like I'm in a rut. The first thing I try to do is to keep a portfolio of different activities going at all times because that allows me to just switch from one task to another if I'm feeling a little stuck or bored with something. So one thing that's worked really well for me, especially as a solopreneur, is to have a mix of projects. My main activity is public speaking and hosting workshops, but I also do some one-on-one coaching, some writing, and of course, podcasting. On top of that, there is the actual running and marketing of my business. For example, I've spent the past few months working with my team to relaunch my website for my business and this podcast website, which I really enjoy. 
The second thing I try to do, although I could probably be a little better at this, is to change my work environment every so often. Now, what's nice about public speaking is that it takes me to a wide range of organizations and locations, which I really love. But most of my writing and podcasting happens just sitting by myself in my office at home. And that works for me on most days. And I think I work pretty well from home. But I also regularly notice that some of my best writing actually happens on an airplane or a coffee shop or really any public place full of other people. So I do try to change things up whenever I've got writer's block. The final thing I do is to make sure I'm always connecting with interesting people because there's, of course, the daily tasks and work I have to do as part of running my business, which often involves just working quietly on my laptop. But I really do find it helpful to try and surround myself with people I genuinely enjoy talking to or being around. That definitely includes my family and friends, but also people I have the fortune of crossing paths with as part of my work. One thing I really love about hosting this podcast is the opportunity to connect with some really interesting, different people like Alex, which often gives me a fresh perspective on my work or my life. And if I ever meet someone I just click with, I really do try to make a point to spend more time with them because honestly, it just energizes me and allows me to return to my work with that injection of energy. One thing I've found with work is that there's like this bucket of energy you're trying to keep full at all times. And when that bucket of energy is empty, it's hard to do great, effective work. Some tasks poke holes into that bucket and constantly drain you. Then there are other tasks that pour more energy back in and refuel you. So you not only have to minimize or remove those energy draining activities, but you also have to ensure you've got enough energy generating activities to keep things exciting, interesting, and engaging so you can keep producing your best work. This brings me to a quote from Socrates. The secret of change is to focus all your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. So my challenge to you is to find one way to make your work more exciting for yourself by changing one part of your work routine. It could be something as simple as listening to music or working in a different spot, or it could mean investing more time into that side gig of yours or finding a way to get more involved with that project that truly excites you. Start this week, rekindle the relationship you have with your job and see what impact it has on your work and your life. If you're enjoying Career Relaunch, I'd love for you to check out this show's brand new website, which relaunched this week at careerrelaunch.net, where I'd also welcome you leaving me a voicemail with your thoughts about the show, your own career challenge, or even your own career change story. You can also go to today's episode page at careerrelaunch.net slash 56, where you can also find a summary of all the key concepts from today's conversation with Alex, including that short film by Daniel Suarez that features Alex's story of moving to New York City from Barcelona. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 56. In our next episode of Career Relaunch, I'll be featuring a management consultant turned product manager. He's going to talk about what it took for him to shift into a new industry and role. 
Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch, and a special thanks again to Alex Trochute for joining us today from New York City. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.